Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his wife. It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Mary. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Mary. Now, with me today is a man who is an international man of mystery, uh, an industrial designer, award-winning industrial designer, educated in Canada. Uh, he's been out in Australia for a while. He's originally of uh, French origin. Would you please welcome to the show, Philippe Gouchard. Welcome, Philippe. Thank you, Warwick. I'm very happy to be here today. Now, I keep saying Philippe, but is it Philip or is it Philippe? Uh, Philippe is fine, and Philippe will be the French way to pronounce. Excellent, because, uh, you know, I like to think of myself as a little bit French. <laughs> so, a bit of Philippe is good. Hey, uh, I'm going to start off by asking you the same question I ask everybody, and that is, so how do you define success? You've won international awards, you've got a, a family living out here in Australia, you've been all over the world. So, I'm really interested in as how you define success. That's a very good question. I don't, um, I haven't reached success in my, um, in my opinion. Although I may have had successful um, periods in my life, uh, I would define success as something that stretches you, something that is out of your comfort zone, um, and that you really want to reach in this lifetime. And it depends on your own goals. But for me, success if you are if you want to be a stay-home dad and take care of your kids, that's for me, that's success. Um, if you want to turn your business into an international uh, venture and, and, you know, have, you know, a financially successful life, that's in your own terms. So it's very personal, mm-hmm. but it's something that has to stretch you a bit. Okay. So uh, you said that you don't feel like you've been a success yet. What are you going to have to achieve or do so you'll go, yes, I am a success? Well, my, um, my vision is based on the impact or the legacy I really want to have. Mm-hmm. And, um, and from that, in order to achieve that, I need to or I want to uh, build a number of businesses that will be successful, that will expand internationally, and that will make money. Okay, and, and, and so are they around yes. inter, inter, uh, industrial design kind of businesses? Yes, yeah, they all revolve around what I know what to do best, which mm-hmm. is creating um, profitable products and then commercialization um, on the international scene. Okay, excellent. Well, we, we look forward to seeing what happens down that path. Yes. So uh, tell me a little bit about how does a French industrial designer end up living in Melbourne? Um, well, it's a story. It's a very classic story, actually. Uh, it's a story of love. Uh, I, um, I met my wife as she was traveling through France a few years ago. Um, so we had a first uh, contact or meeting about 10 years ago. And uh, uh, we kept in contact via email. And then she came back two years later and we met again. And we thought, oh, well, we go along pretty well. So maybe we should do something. And it took another few months for things to happen and um, and then we decided to live in Berlin for some time and uh, Berlin had uh, I think they were one of the two places in the world that had a fast track immigration program mm-hmm. and you could get your paperwork done in four months wow. okay. so we did that and uh, we landed in Australia and that was seven years ago and the rest is history <laughs> 
So as as a, a European, have you struggled at all living in Australia? Because like Australia is a very special and wonderful place. Um, has has there been challenges for you? Uh, definitely, yes. Uh, I try to uh, understand the challenges and transform that into opportunities. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. With um, uh, When I arrive in Australia, people say, oh, yeah, you're French. Oh, you must be a chef or a cook or something. And, and you hear that once, twice, and 10 times, 100 times. And I thought, well, maybe there's a business opportunity there. So I decided to launch a, a chocolate mousse business. Um, because uh, a few years ago, I, um, I started making chocolate mousse and inventing a number of recipes. And I was quite known for my chocolate mousse. So I decided to, um, to start a business doing that. And I realized that I love creating, I love you know, setting up a business, but doing the everyday cooking, selling and everything. That was not my cup of tea. And you know, I, I have great respect for people that work in the food business. I think it's very difficult, very intense. Yeah. But that's not where my passion is. So I just came back to industrial design and studied my studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about um, uh, settling in to uh, Australia? Like how – what do you miss about Europe? And we are having a conversation before and I was chatting to someone else recently that – they're going back to live in Europe because what they miss is Europe because, you know, half hour drive and bang, you're in a different country with a sense of history that is hundreds and thousands of years old that we rarely acknowledge our depth of history that is that, you know, the indigenous history we always talk about, oh, well, you know, 1788 is when it all happened for the white boys. So uh, how has it been? Um, what do you miss about about Europe and about, you know, being so far away from the rest of the world? There are a number of things that I really don't miss about oh, yeah? Europe. So there's a, a whole aspect around the mindset, and especially France. Uh, I thought the mindset around entrepreneurship is much healthier here in Australia, and you have much more opportunities. Mm. I'm not sure people really realize that, but it's 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 a great uh, place, and Melbourne is an absolutely wonderful city to live in and to create uh, opportunities for yourself. Mm. Um, at times, I miss the yeah the history. Uh, like you know in France there's something I love to do is getting lost so what I would do I would drive like half an hour somewhere in in one direction and then I would purposely take a left and a right and left and a right and see where I would land and and very often you arrive in a very small village and you stop there the city or the city center the the village center and and there's a church and there's a um, couple of houses and, and a castle or something like this and you just wander around and it's just I was always impressed and always, you know, uh, amazed by the beauty of the the, the, the land. I, I love France as a tourist. I'm not sure I love the country as a resident yeah, or okay. as a worker, <laughs> but as a tourist, it's it's yeah, it's a very beautiful place. So, what started your passion for industrial design? Was it you know looking around at some of the old churches and, and things around the countryside, or is it something that you've always had a, a flair for that sort of engineering kind of approach? Uh, I studied mechanical engineering, and while doing so, I um, discovered industrial design. And the, the story is uh, um, I was throwing a party at my place, and there were about 30 people in, I don't know, 15 square meter or something, like a very tiny room. Mm. 
and we are enjoying uh, a good evening with food and alcohol and everything. And one of the girls invited her boyfriend. Her boyfriend was an industrial designer, and I never heard the term before. Mm. So I thought the guy was choosing the color of the pipes in the industrial facility. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was completely pointless and, and useless. And so I, I was telling cracking jokes on the guy all evening, and I was entertaining the crowd on his behalf, so to speak. But at the end of the evening, I apologized to him, and I said, you know, I, by the way, I don't know what industrial design is. Would you tell me what you, what you do? And so, well, I'm the CEO of a design firm, so how about you come along and I'll show you. And he toured me for about two hours in his studio and for me that was one of the moments in your life where you realize there's a, like it's a high or something it's, it's beyond description it's i knew not that i wanted to be a designer but i i was a designer right. at that time like i knew that that's how my brain worked that's how i'm i'm framed or wired or i don't know how you say that yeah yeah um and and i begged him can you give me a couple of projects and, and i'll see you know if i'm tailored for that or not mm. and he said sure he opened his drawer he got, got a couple of ideas to come back in in three weeks i did and um in a nutshell he said well your drawing skills really suck <laughs> uh, but you really have ideas you should give up engineering and start design right away right which i didn't do but i, <laughs> I finished my degree in engineering and, and studied another one in industrial design and and you did was it the industrial design degree that you did in canada exactly so yes. why did you go yeah. to canada to do that my university was opening an uh, exchange program for the first time in Canada. They wanted to send their best students there, and I, yeah. was, I was ranking quite high yeah. in that uh, university. So they asked me to represent the university in Canada, mm-hmm. and I said, I will under one condition. I will not do mechanical engineering. I will shift to industrial design. If that's okay with you, that's okay with me. And Fantastic. They agreed on a deal, and uh, I... Uh, came back and had a degree in design with the highest honors. So that that was a, that a was win-win a for everyone. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. Um, I want to find out a bit more about some of the work that you've done, but first we're going to have a short break. We'll be right back after this. Have you got a question for Warwick or the guest? Head to getmoresuccess.com or the Facebook page and let us know. Are you enjoying the podcast? We would love a five-star rating. Head to your player of choice and add one for us. Go on. You know you want to. Welcome back. I'm talking with Philippe Gouchard about uh, industrial design, success, living in a different country, all these fun things. So um, tell me about some of the – because you've won multiple different awards and you've done some Kickstarter programs. You did a really cool Kickstarter thing for a cable organiser, which to look at looks like a chunk of steel and a bit of plastic. Looks quite simple. Anyone Mm -hmm. could have done it, Um, but no one else did. So Mm -hmm. tell me a bit about – the design, but also the Kickstarter journey. How how did you make that work? Because there are so many things that, that uh, go on Kickstarter and these kind of uh, websites that don't get the audience, don't get the market, and there's others that go great guns. So how did you, how did you approach your project? I um, I decided to learn by uh, experience. So I thought that instead of reading all those books and articles around Kickstarter, I should create a project specifically for that so uh, i've designed a couple or more than a couple i designed about 10 different products and i found the the smallest one that Mm -hmm. i could launch and and test the market and test the platform so uh, i designed cable stop which is a cable management device um, 
for the audience if you're not a visual being and you cannot see the product, of course, it's like a paperweight for cables. So you secure the cables on your desk or your bedside table with, with this and, um, and it adapts itself to any height of cables and secure the cables, you know, some, someplace. It's a really ingenious, quite simple design, but elegant. Um, so, and if people are at their computers now and they want to check it out, is it, do you have a website they can go and have a quick look? Yes, it's uh, cablestop.com.au. Oh, that's pretty easy, cablestop.com.au. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so that was the, the, the product that you decided you were going to launch? Exactly. And um, I started the Kickstarter campaign, and, and I made a, a very big mistake, uh, which was to understand Kickstarter as a crowdfunding platform. And I was really interested in a funding. And I didn't prepare the crowd very, very well. So it turns out that uh, during the 30 days of the campaign, I was a few hours a day, about five, six hours, um, trying to communicate and do PR and, and message people and, and trying to get a bit of traction. Um, but uh, I think I did that reasonably well because I, I managed to get the funding, and uh, and we were ranked number one product um, on the Australian Kickstarter at the time. So I think I did right. something right in yeah, the process. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so that product uh, launched successfully for you, and. It- you just sell it straight from the website? You don't sell it anywhere else? I sell it straight from the website. And yeah. now I'm looking for distribution channel and we're in talk um, as we Oh, speak. we do love being in talks. <laughs> uh, so have you used Kickstarter or anything like that for any other products? Uh, no, but there are a couple of clients that were interested by this experience. So we are currently designing um, a couple of products that uh, will hopefully use the platform. Right. Yes. Okay. Because there is something cool about using something like Kickstarter where you get all the money up front yes. before you have to spend it. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Kickstarter for that. I think sometimes people don't get the product delivered because the business model beyond the product is not there. Yeah. And uh, so the way I've designed a product is a design in parallel with the business model. So you need the value proposition and the cost to be uh, right. And, and they have to work prior to the campaign. Yep. And then when you launch a campaign, you know you can deliver. Yep. Otherwise, it's too risky. And I myself have been backing a number of campaigns and never saw the product because, well, yeah, it just didn't add up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I know for me, there's been a couple that I've backed that after a little while I said, yeah, can I have my money back now because this is not working and and I got my money back, which was great. Um, And there's one that I backed two and a half years ago that they're still working on and they're running very behind. Um, But I'm still happy to wait and get the product. Hopefully it turns up. So um, you are an an award-winning industrial designer. What are some of the products that your designs that you've won awards for? Oh, there are a number of uh, of those. There's an aquarium tank I've designed with the cradle-to-cradle technique, which is a sustainability uh, methodology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the one I have to say that I really like is, is still Cable Stop, um, mm-hmm. because Cable Stop has been designed with the triple bottom line in mind. Right. And that's something that's very dear to my heart. Yeah. So um, in the past, I've been designing quite profitable products, yeah. but also observe that you know sometimes it really damage the environment and they can really have a, a negative social impact. Right. So I try to include those two um, items in my methodology now. 
And CableStop is a good example for that. It's um, ethically manufactured in Portugal, so they make a good living out of that. Right. Uh, I know the impact it has on the community and the village over there where it's manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, they care about sustainability too. Um, they recycle the water from the manufacturing plant in the in the manufacturing facility. Oh, great! Um, they take care of the waste. I, there's a whole program there, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really enjoy um, that, and I'm very proud that the product is supporting that uh, type of um, idea and con- mm. concept. Mm. And uh, so, what's what's the product made of? It's steel. It's yeah. I, I try to limit the number of material for sustainability reasons. Yeah. Uh, so it's only there are only three parts, right. and that, that took me a few months to get down to three parts. Yeah, um, yeah. It took me yeah. I think the whole project was about ten months long. Right. I mean, that was a weekend project, but yeah. uh, still. And um, uh, three three parts: no glue, no fastening, nothing. So at the end of the life cycle, you just push the uh, stainless steel top and take the stainless steel core and recycle that. And yes. the, the ABS uh, plastic core is also recyclable. Right. And it's very, uh, it, ABS is a very good plastic. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of the plastic that is easy to recycle and, and to play with to build another product. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So what would be your ideal job if someone's out there thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind an industrial designer to come and help me with my thing. What what facets of doing what you do do you really enjoy the most? So obviously having that triple bottom line, you want to have make sure it's having a, a minimal environmental impact, having a maximum community impact and good profitability. What else? What other attributes dictate a great job for you? I love taking an idea and transforming that idea into a profitable product. Um, it's it's very exciting because you 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 have no idea what's what's there at the beginning. It's a conversation, it's a concept. It's I would like a product that would do this and that, but it doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. I'm currently doing that for two companies and two startups here, and uh, and we just start with you know there's a need for something. There's a pain point in someone's um, in a customer experience, and we want to alleviate that for you. Want to we want to help people. But there's absolutely no product out there. And if there were a product, where, where would it be? And mm-hmm. so we start by uh, what we, we call that a pilot, which is kind of early stage design phase. Uh, and we, we try to map out what the product could be. And then we'll do a bit of CAD, do a bit of 3D printed um, uh, mock-up or prototype. And, and then we look very, very uh, quickly if there is a business for it. There's no need in, in continuing the R&D and the design development if there's absolutely no business for it. Yeah. So we, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a play because you don't really have the right numbers, but uh, you, it gives you an indication. Like if you're really off three times the price that the retail can you know, pay or the customer can pay, it's, you know, it's no way you can turn that into business. If it's 20% up or down or something, then you know, by redesigning a few times, you, you, you'll, you'll get there. Right. So, um, with what you do, how much of an edge as a designer is it to have an engineering background? Because there's, I, I hear sometimes I hear this in in the building trade. In architects, will design is an amazing house, and then the builder's like, "Mate, to build this is going to be a nightmare." Do you have a, a similar approach with some people who design amazing things, but they don't quite understand the engineering behind how to do it? So. It takes longer, is more. So, how much of an advantage is it for you to have that, that dual prong to your skill set? 
Uh, it, it's been a, a beautiful edge from day one. Right. Uh, I, I remember one of the very first conversation I had with a French CEO, and um, uh, I, I was trying to pitch my first pitches at the time. And um, I, I went to see that company, and the guy walked me through, you know, the the, the manufacturing plant, and he said, "Okay, you see this mold over there? Well, we hire a designer, and the mold doesn't work, and nothing works. It's a waste of money and everything." And uh, and I said, "Well, that was his." skills and i have a different one because i i'm not really an engineer but i have this engineering background at least mm. and i understand what i draw i can manufacture and for some reason i don't really know because there is a new technology or something like this i will investigate and i have enough of a relationship with uh, engineers and the, the technical you know uh, sphere that i can take that into account into my design mm. and um one of the examples would be the, 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 the chair. Um, so the, the chair has very, very strong manufacturing um, constraints, but you don't see that when you look at the chair. Right. It's just a, a beautiful piece of furniture. or you know. Um, but all that is completely included in the design, and you don't, it's completely transparent, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, and when we were talking about the chair, uh, there is a, an international award-winning design that, that you've put together for this amazing chair that's still yet to, be, to come out. Um, and it is a fantastic-looking chair. So, uh, um, all right, so you've got that dual, uh, that, that dual sort of both the engineering and the, the uh, design. 3D printing's been very um, talked about. It was when it first sort of came out, everyone was like, oh my God, 3D printing is going to be amazing and everyone's going to have a 3D printer and it, and it hasn't really happened. But in your world, how, how much quicker does 3D printing mean for doing these draft designs, being able to churn out a, a mock-up or a model to then go, okay, it's not perfect, but it's enough in some plastic or whatever, um, h- how much of an impact has 3D printing had for design? As we are doing this interview, my 3D printer is working <laughs> at the office and printing parts uh, for um, a mock-up for a client. Right. Uh, there, are a bit, there are two aspects. The 3D printers have been around for a long, long time. So right. in my world, there's nothing new. I've been using 3D printer for the last 25 years. Oh, all right. Um, so what, what was uh, exciting is to have a desktop 3D printer um, like 10 years ago, you needed a few tens of thousands of dollars to buy one. Mm. Um, today, with a few thousand of dollars, you can buy a decent 3D printer. Uh, the barrier to entry is still strong because I'm not sure that's going to go mainstream until someone finds how to build a 3D product product with a 3D interface that is easy and to handle for everyone. Mm. So the big buzz two years ago or three years ago that was around 3D printing didn't quite happen. I think that was a bit too early and people got a bit disappointed um, because, you know, you download a couple of ashtrays and, and you know, um, boxes and everything and then you're done and but you pay $2,000 for a printer just to <laughs> print ashtrays. It's like, well, this is a bit disappointing. Um, I think things going to move the day. Uh, I suspect when AR and VR tools will be good enough so that you can do your stuff with a glove or something like this right and you can build your own stuff and then you print that immediately yeah so it's uh, the printing's good it's the interface the human interface to to be able to build what you want it to to i think the barrier to entry is not the printer it's the 3d models right 
Okay. To feed the printer. Yeah, yeah. I, I know for me, if I ever had a 3D printer, the first thing I'd do is print another 3D printer. So that, that way, it's they, just, you know, I've got a spare. They, they do that. It, it's already out there. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and I heard something recently. They needed something in the space station. So they sent the design up and they printed out the special tool that yeah. they needed. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. But for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar... How long does it take to print something with a 3D printer? Uh, you need to be patient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the prototypes I have been doing for one of my clients, uh, each part were taking between 24 to 30 hours to print. And, and how big are these parts? Um, 10 centimeters, 20, like big as yeah, a coffee cup? Like, yeah, 15 by 15 by 15. You yeah, know, that yeah. Kind of, a, you know, and yeah, so that was so taking you're a looking, long. you know, maybe the size of a coffee mug or a little bit bigger, yeah. and that's taking 24 to 38 hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that was taking, it took me more than a week to print the, the different parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but even still, way faster than trying to develop a mold and pour blah 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 and go down. Yeah, that, I mean that the path. whole idea is to test the assumptions that you made in design and the business model as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. So you need something tangible that you can play with. Yep. and show to the market so that you have feedback and you know quite early if you're on the right track or not. Yeah, great. So what's next for you? You've um, created these, you know, you've got some different clients that you're creating stuff for that you can't tell us all about. Um, but what's next? Like what what projects you have coming on the horizon? What sort of industries do you want to be working with? Um, what's next? Very good question. I love working with startups and small to medium companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's something I really, really enjoy. And I've been investigating working in the health industry. Right. Um, the design in the health industry is quite present and quite strong. Uh, often, I think they forget a bit about the patient. <laughs> and, and so your experience, if, you're, have, if you've ever been in a hospital, your experience as a patient is, is not fantastic. Um, and that's an understatement. At time. It's not just the food. It's, it's the yeah, environment. Yeah. And uh, and the research proved that if you're in a good emotional state, um, you recover more quickly. So my take on the health industry, and that's what I'm trying to investigate and, and approach, uh, is to see how I, a design, a good design, from the patient perspective, mm-hmm. also uh, could really improve the the finance actually of the hospital and clinics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so just finally, as we wrap up here, what do you wish you knew earlier? Because you've been doing this for quite some time now. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've had to learn the hard way that you wish you knew earlier? Just trying to give our listeners a bit of a head start. Mm-hmm. So what, what are a couple of things that you wish you'd known earlier? Oh, boy, that's a very deep oh, I've stumped you on uh, that no, one. It's, Fantastic. It's, it's good, it's good. Uh, maybe got interested in... in uh, marketing and business model earlier on in my career and and i did that very organically but it took me about eight years to implement that in my own methodology Mm -hmm. um i I wish even a design training will talk a bit about that they don't mention that Um, at least back in the days Mm. there's zero mention about business model of financial thing it's it's cost oriented you know how much it's going to cost but that's not a business model Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no value proposition there. So, yeah, maybe being more proactive and be uh, more interested early on on 
the influence on marketing on design and vice versa yeah and and the financial aspect of where we draw yeah yeah cool fantastic mm. hey if people want to get in touch with you or find out a bit more about your services what's the best way to get in touch with you uh, LinkedIn I'm lucky enough to have a, a name that is quite distinctive so Philippe Guichard that's going to work pretty well on LinkedIn yep and, uh, and uh, how would people spell Philippe Guichard who for those yeah. among us who don't speak or spell French so, well, Philip is like the English. Philip with an extra the, the, PE on exactly the end of it. Exactly, at the end. And Guichard is G-U-I-C-H-A-R-D. Excellent. And the website of the business is d2melbourne.com.au. Fantastic. Philippe, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Warwick. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show with your host, Warwick Mary. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Mary. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy your success. <laughs>